Good. Welcome and thank you for joining us for another episode of the Jane Irrigation Training Series. And today we're going to be talking about uh, 2022 and beyond. You know, when I think about uh, 2021, and I think, you know, Thanksgiving's coming up here in a week, we'll have a little uh, week back at work and the IA show. I mean, I, I feel like the year is almost over. And uh, certainly it has been a, a good year. It's been a successful year, but I also feel like the challenges have been uh, maybe bigger than we've seen in a long, long time, maybe ever. We've had supply chain issues, we've had COVID issues, labor issues. Um, we're seeing gas prices at the highest they've ever been. You know, uh, it's been tough, but uh, our industry certainly has been uh, persevering and uh, and succeeding. But um, you know, more importantly, instead of looking you know back at where we've been, I thought it was really important that we take a look at uh, where we're going, 2022 and beyond for our industry and. Um, you know, I always think about this. I think who doesn't want some more time in their day to spend uh, with some strategic thinking? Well, so that's when I thought um, it would be great to have our guest today, Eric Olson, president of Jane Irrigation, who is a tremendous strategic thinker. Uh, you know this, right, by looking at uh, what uh, steps he's taken business-wise in the past few years during this uh, very volatile climate. You know, uh, Eric, his... Um, um, has done a wonderful job with uh, ag tech uh, integration and acquisitions, and um, for the most part, uh, uh, has done an excellent job steering Jane in a direction through all this that has been really positive. But, um, you know, Eric's also a certified supply chain uh, professional. Uh, he's got his Six Sigma black belt. He's um, uh, also uh, certified in production and inventory management by the Association for Supply Chain Management. Um, Eric doesn't just focus on Jane either. Uh, and this is one of the things I really respect about him. He's giving his time and energy to other associations as well. He's been an IA board member for uh, more than five years. He served as president of the IA. He's currently involved with the Irrigation Innovation Consortium. Um, he was working with the Blue Tech Valley as a founding committee member. Uh, he's really donating his time and energy in other places as well, which is great for the industry. And then finally, Eric, uh, with customers, uh, employees, and uh, also his family is really generous. And uh, we really benefit from all that. And today, you're going to get the benefit of hearing uh, Eric's um, uh, strategic vision for 2022, and uh, and and that's going to be wonderful. So, Eric, welcome. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you, Richard. Nice to be here again. It's been a while. I think you've produced over a uh, over a hundred of these now. So, I, I'm grateful for you and your efforts, uh, and the the production and the training that you've done with the team is really fabulous. So, thank you for that. Yeah, thank, thanks, Eric, for mentioning that. And thanks to the, you know, it's a, it's a team that does this. And, and I really appreciate everybody's efforts and certainly appreciate, um, again, your forward thinking and letting us uh, run with this and, and do this consistently. So thank you for that. So as you heard, Eric, I think 2021 was a tough year. <laughs> and uh, I just wonder, you know, what, what you thought of 2021 before we talk about 2022. Well, I, I remember when we were in 2020 and everyone was praying that 2020 could just get over with and start 2021, right? And, and things would hopefully be better. And from many aspects that that was true, but on some aspects, it was really difficult and really challenging. So before, you know, I give some uh, forecast and, and 
you know, talk about 2022, I, I just want to kind of highlight the state of the state of the irrigation business in 2021 and what things look like. And um, we've all faced significant supply chain uh, issues and challenges in 2021. And thank goodness for our supply chain team uh, led by Daniel Lubars and David Colvin and John Allen and Bob Coates. I mean, fabulous job. Like Richard, you talked about my certifications and supply chain, but I'm not doing any of that work. And I'm so grateful to work with these supply chain leaders and what they've been able to do in, under these significant uh, events that, you know, I've never seen in my 25 year career in business. So my hat's off to them and all the others in the industry that have done such a good job. Uh, we are having though still significant supply chain issues um, in many ways that things are a little bit better, but if you got any durable goods, electronics, uh, anything coming from Asia or Europe, you know, you're, you're, you're having significant challenges. Um, you, you know, you see on the news that we got 80 or 90 cargo ships in the Long Beach, uh, LA area out just floating around. And, you know, it, it's very difficult to get those container ships unloaded. We've had um, lead times, delivery times from Southeast Asia that would typically be 50 or 60 days, going to well over 100 days to 120 days. Even travel times from Europe have almost doubled and uh, the, the routes are taking longer. And this is a significant issue for many companies that you're, we're missing uh, delivery dates, the working capital is higher. Um, it, it's, it's a real uh, challenge that we faced. In addition to this, the, the cost of a container, um, previously, you know, pre-2020, we could get containers out of Southeast Asia for two to three grand. Those are five or six times the, the rate now. We get containers in Southeast Asia that we used to pay 3,000 a container are now almost 20 grand per container. So in addition to the transit time, the cost has just radically changed on the, the shipping and logistics for container stuff. And we are a global supply chain industry. The irrigation industry does participate in, in this global activity. Um, so when you think about the economics then of what's in the container, um, with the container shortages and the ship lead time problems, it really doesn't make economic sense for certain lower value products to go in the containers and take up container capacity, you know, something like uh, resin, for example, that might be, uh, maybe you get a container sack in a container of resin, and there's 40,000 pounds of resin, and you can get resin cheaper in Asia, maybe you get it for 60 cents a pound. But if that container costs you, you know, uh, let's say $16,000 to get it here, that resin when it lands ends up being a dollar a pound. So going from 60, you know, 40 cents in transport. So when you look at the, the value of the economics of what makes sense to ship from, you know, different supply chain locations, freight is becoming a huge part and a problem uh, for us. And so we're really rethinking where we're making and delivering stuff in, in this fully integrated supply chain. So I think this problem is going to be with us probably for you know, at least another six months until these uh, supply chain bottlenecks work through. They need to add container uh, vessel capacity, which will take 18 months. And so we're looking at some 
you know, time before these transit times and costs actually uh, come down and unwind. Also in, in really 2020, we couldn't get much air freight. 2022, it's a little better, but the prices are still uh, very high. Uh, as you think about these uh, supply chain challenges and you know, what's caused the problem, I, I highlighted a, a video produced by McKinsey that really explains what's happened on supply chain in the, in the USA. And then there's a fascinating website called marinetraffic.com. If you haven't seen it, it's, it's fabulous. It shows all the boat traffic in the world and you can hone in on the Long Beach LA area and you can see those 90 ships and how they're moving. You could see uh, earlier this year, we had a big problem in the port of Oakland where we just had container ships just circling the Oakland uh, area. So those are some tools that you know, one might explain the situation and then also gets you looking at, um, you know, that marine traffic. It's, so Eric, those are some great tools. And um, uh, I will say, you know, we all have our own personal indicators. And one that was surprising to me that signals to me that things are still a little rough is I'm down in San Diego. We see ships off the coast of San Diego that are waiting to unload in Long Beach now. And we didn't see that six months ago. So again, you know, my personal indicator says, wow, that's, that's a little tough. But um, the supply chain situation, you know, what's the impact to the irrigation uh, industry? Well, we've probably suffered the worst. Um, I think everyone's had some degree of stockouts, uh, delays, less selection, and for sure, uh, higher prices, higher freight's gone through the industries. These are the, the biggest impacts. In addition to uh, more working capital due to the investment in more inventory, a lot of us have focused, uh, you know, we've learned about just in time and supply chain people, we, you know, carried less inventory where, you know, we thought that inventory wasn't necessarily good in the, in the just in time viewpoint. And so a lot of these things are uh, changing. I think people that had inventory had investments in, in that. Uh, did very well over the last two years. And I think people are, you know, rethinking inventory strategies and how to carry those costs. But for sure, stockouts, delays, higher costs, and those are likely to, you know, many of those risks still persist and they, they will continue into 2022. So as irrigation people, our job is to plan ahead, plan for longer lead times, plan for a little bit higher cost and have a, re have a redundancy scenario, have some backup plan if uh, things don't you know, go as expected. The, uh, in the next slide here, um, in addition to the supply chain issues and challenges just with freight and delivery and you know, trucking issues that, that we have, we had a 100% increase in resin over the, you know, the 2020, 21 period uh, that we're in, uh, uh, you know, over 100%. We had 13 months out of 16, beginning in June of 2020, where resin prices uh, increased. 13 months of increase, three months where we were flat, and one month we, we had a little bit of a, a, a downturn. But you could see that price trend, and that's, I picked a nominal starting value of 60 cents. I don't know what, you know, people's starting, nominal starting value is, but those had the increases in that graph there that shows you what's, what's happened. I'm hopeful that we've peaked and maybe we can have some, you know, pullback here, but uh, that pullback's not likely to happen right away. It's not likely to be, you know, aggressive. 
And so if there's people that are, are waiting for polyethylene to go back down before they buy irrigation, you know, I think you might be waiting a little bit. Uh, PVC is even more uh, tight on supply. PVC resin is at an all-time high, all-time high. And that situation, there is not necessarily excess capacity available in the U.S. And so PVC could stay high-priced for the next year into 2022. Well, polyethylene, there may be some excess capacity, um, but we saw what happened and how fragile that capacity is when we had that February freeze in the Gulf and just the cascading effect of that in terms of uh, resin pricing. So while there may be excess polyethylene capacity and you know, the system's pretty fragile, the hurricane season, we had, you know, we lost some production days to the hurricane season as well. Um, you probably all have seen that lumber spike that we had in April, May, when lumber you know, increased overnight, like 4X. Uh, lumber's come back down. It's actually 25% you know, above the long-term average of lumber. Right now, we have a steel price issue and availability on steel. Steel is really high. So it just seems to be a moving target of all these different um, products that, that have their own uh, unique uh, issues. Um, the freight, the, probably the one common thing is freight, the availability and the handling and the transport is not generally available like it used to be. It's higher cost and the, the service is, is not as good as it used to be. So it's pretty, pretty big issue. We're all seeing and feeling the effects of the lack of labor. And so the people that need labor are, are bidding up labor. La labor costs are going up and they're going up pretty aggressively. I think We've typically maybe labor rates have followed the long-term inflation rates, maybe two to three, four, four percent. Uh, inflation you can see is going up in the you know six. We had CPI index that came out was over six percent, uh, thirty-year high. This uh, definitely will impact uh, labor, the the cost uh, for sure, and we're having challenges with availability. So when you think about our irrigation business and what what uh, you know, how to forecast for 2022 and, and beyond. The, the economists are have been saying, well, this inflation is transitory. This this is not a long-term thing. We're not having six percent inflation. This is going to go back. Plastics are going to come down. Steel, lumber, everything's going to come back down once we get through this COVID supply chain spike. That uh, you know may happen on. Uh, certain commodities where we have excess capacity once the supply chain, you know, snarls get untangled. However, on labor, uh, when's the last time anyone's ever, you know, got a raise taken away from them or went backwards in pay? So labor and those costs are probably not transitory and a good portion of our economy is uh, the cost of uh, labor. So I think the inflation that we see in labor is not going to be transitory. You see massive minimum wage, uh, you know, the minimum wage is going up and there's increases associated with that. And those are rolling through all, you know, all facets of, of uh, labor. So uh, in summary, 2021 was pretty difficult, not only from a supply chain side, but just dealing with inflation uh, from the, the plastic side, labor side, transportation and freight, uh, if you could get it, the costs were a lot higher. And so what has that done for us on the price of irrigation systems? Well, it's, it's dramatically changed from today to say a year ago, maybe a system a year ago, a really top end uh, dual system 
um, for agriculture would be 16 to 1800 dollars an acre you know that same system is selling for 2500 to 3000 an acre today one year later now the good thing is that system provides incredible value uh, for the growers in terms of um, you know, delivering water and fertilizer in an efficient manner that's good for the environment and it's got high water use efficiency. So in the grand scheme of things, $3,000 an acre versus, you know, the land cost of $40,000 an acre or, uh, you know, the revenue per acre delivered by those high value crops is still, still good. So the economics are still sound, but, um, you know, those prices are, are, are awfully high. And, uh, you know, my, my thoughts are, you know, people waiting this out to say, well, I'm going to get better PVC pricing. I don't know if that's going to happen. Uh, polyethylene may come down. There's excess capacity there. I don't think labor will change. So when you look at the things that are going to uh, change versus stay the same, I do think we're going to have some inflation. Not all this inflation is transitory. Yeah, a couple of uh, comments and a question. Uh, one, I'm looking at this chart of uh, resin. And I'm looking at the price of Bitcoin and what it went up this past year. And everybody knows Bitcoin's a gamble and, and, and a risky investment because of the volatility. Bitcoin's up less than resin was this year. So this resin fluctuation, right, over 100%, is that normal in a year? Does this happen every year or is this really unusual? On a normal year. And, uh, you know, I should, should take this... Uh, chance to announce that our uh, longtime resin salesperson from Dow Chemical, Mr. Jim Wally, uh, is retiring after more than almost 35 years of service to the industry. And he's been uh, selling. He's never seen any price fluctuation increase like this in, in nearly in his 40-year career selling uh, polyethylene resin. And so there's nothing like it. Uh, we've Maybe we used to only get two or three months of price increases in a row, but this is 13 of 16. And these were big increases. Increases used to be a two cents a pound. These were five and seven cents a pound every single month, one on top of the other. So really a, a significant uh, uh, change there. Yeah, thank you. So um, what about the next 12 months, Eric? Are we going to see more of the same or, uh, you know, is this inflation going to slow down? Yeah, definitely. I see the uh, freight um, and the labor side, you know, I see inflation continuing there and that, that in, until the supply chain works itself out or until, um, you know, the demand for labor changes, we're going to have inflation on labor and freight and transport. And certain plastics, I think PVC will stick. Um, I think the other commodities maybe moderate some or maybe maybe come down. But in general, we shouldn't expect a free fall in a cost of an irrigation system. If you're 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 a, gr a grower thinking about investing in drip or micro, you know, do you think you can wait till August of next year and the prices will be radically different. I really don't think that's going to be the case. It may come off a little bit, but it sure is not gonna go back to what it was, the price of a system back to 2019. And the same thing would go for a land landscape and it might be um, even harder to have price reductions on the landscape because you know, it's less, less equipment and more, more labor component. And so that labor cost will really drive that part of the business. 
Yeah, thanks, Eric. That's uh, that's pretty interesting. Um, uh, but uh, uh, we'll we'll see what happens, right? But this is uh, going to have a big effect on everybody's business. So I just want to remind everybody too that I've got both the chat and the Q and A open uh, this afternoon. So if you have some questions or uh, you want to uh, have me ask a question, uh, put them in there, and I will uh, ask at the appropriate time. I think the uh, the twelve twenty uh, train is going by Jane right now, right on time. So uh, uh, Eric just put himself on mute for a second because if you've ever heard that train, it's a, it, it's a big one. It's a long one. Yeah, that thing uh, rat rattles my office. Um, the, the next uh, slide, I'd like to talk briefly on a, a technology, you know, we've invested a lot in the technology space and, you know, through acquisitions and then company development to provide leading technology solutions to help the growers and landscape users uh, conserve water, get high water use efficiency in a manner that's good for the environment. Uh, I'm really just thrilled that what is, is happening in the, in the satellite uh, industry. Um, these tools are going to come, become a mainstream. The uh, technology that we can get from satellite imagery is really phenomenal. We can take pictures from the, the sky and see how the crop's doing actually and use some tools, calculation tools, either metric or Siebel models to calculate the exact ET. This is like probably back in the day when Penman and Monteith made the ET equation for us to help us properly uh, water crops based on the plant's actual need. We're in that type of period here with these satellites and those metric and Siebel models are going to become mainstream. So the, uh, um, this just happened a couple of weeks ago, this uh, Landsat 9 um, was was launched and you know that that Landsat 8 program we're still getting great data for but that combined with the uh, Sentinel 2 uh, is going to give us 30 meter resolution pictures of all the crop and landscape areas around the world and with the calculations um, and the weather data we can now get an ET value for your field or your landscape and you know, we can get down to 30 meter resolution and we, we have great software tools that will actually allow us to see the uniformity of that ET to tell us how much water that crop is using on a, you know, a daily, weekly basis, depending on what, um, what you need. There'll be new tools developed for fertilizer uh, use and variable rate irrigation is really going to take off as, as will autonomous irrigation all supported by these uh, satellite uh, efforts here that, that are, um, there are private companies that are participating in this space too. The company called Planet, um, you know, they've launched, uh, they got more, more than 200 satellites in orbit now. And these, this company can give 0.8 meter resolution um, and they have an offering selling three to five meter resolution. And you can get these pictures, you know, every other day in the past, uh, cloud cover was an issue in certain areas. If you came over once a week and there was clouds, you didn't get an image. Now with the revisit rates that happen more regularly, you can use these in areas that have clouds. The really awesome thing about this technology is, is everyone's going to get an ET map 
And this is going to be very low cost. It might even be end up being free. A lot like if you have Google Earth and you look at Google Earth or Google Maps, it, it's going to be, we're going to get maps of ET that are going to, you know, be able to help us to say how much is our uh, landscape or uh, farm, um, you know, uh, is, is how much ET is happening in that area. So um, there's great companies out there like Open ET, Climate Engine, and Planet, as I mentioned, that are focusing on that. Uh, at Jane Irrigation, we're uh, going to use these tools. We're, we're already using them, and we've been using them for a number of years, along with our soil moisture sensor, our really amazing weather data uh, set to create the what we consider amazing irrigation schedules to get the right amount of water at the right time. We're using the machine learning tools that are available to us to get this watering and fertigating very precise for the grower. So, and we have this water management services business where we can help the grower use the latest state-of-the-art tools. So I'm really, you know, excited about this uh, uh, technology. Um, Richard, you know, I've been a proponent of autonomous irrigation that we do on the landscape side with uh, the Jane Unity platform, and that's the, the ET Water Legacy product. Um, and, you know, the more than 12,000 sites that are autonomously irrigating every, every day, depending on what the weather is and what's coming and what the plant needs. This, this can come to ag by taking a picture from the sky looking at the soil moisture, running a machine learning model, and really giving us autonomous irrigation for ag. That will help our labor situation uh, in, in ag. It's a, it's a big benefit. Yes, yeah, so a couple of questions coming in, Eric. Uh, and the first one is, um, is this expensive now, right? You mentioned that it might come down in price, might even be free, but is it expensive today? You know, this can be um, anywhere from two to $10 an acre, depending on what you're getting and what service and what tools and, and the, the uh, output. But um, yeah, I, I expect those prices to come down. And, uh, you know, as more, more offerings uh, come out there and really you have to, the initial picture is kind of neat and exciting, but you have to provide valuable data or actionable insights with those nice pictures. Otherwise it just becomes a nice picture. Um, so that's what we've chosen to do with our agrologics uh, data is really to make that an actionable uh, situation that actually helps the grower more than just a pretty picture. But I do expect those costs to come down from that two to ten dollars an acre. They'll, they'll be they'll be less in time. Yeah, that doesn't seem like very much money at all when I consider what I have, what I'm growing in that acre uh, as, a, as a percentage of the total cost of what's coming out. It seems really low. Uh, we have another uh, person asking, um, how do I know the information I get from satellite imaging is accurate? Yeah, that's a, always a, that's a great question. It's always a challenge. It seems like this is a little bit of a black box, right? And um, I feel we're going to have uh, government or N NASA or university, or um, we're going to get help making sure that this is a, a transparent um, solution. Just like the Penman Monteith ET formula, we all know what it is. It's not a black box. We know the variables going in and we know the value coming out and we know what that means. We will get help from um, these universities or an organization like the Irrigation Innovation Consortium that they, they will, you know, someone's going to provide validation that 
this satellite imagery, ET's calculation is true and accurate and representative of the, the metric or Siebel model. There will be transparency coming to this as a, a supplier. We need to give that transparency so people know it's just not some uh, black box. So that, that has to be developed. Today, many people selling this service, it's a little bit of a black box. Yeah. So Eric, I love this next slide. Um, getting into the uh, realm of uh, vaccinations for 2022, this should be very interesting. Yeah, it's, uh, we have this um, OSHA's temporary, emergency temporary standard that, that is, you know, has come out and it just suffered some legal, legal challenges. But uh, really any company with 100 or more employees, and, you know, that's a decent number of companies in our industry would either have to make sure your employees are 100% vaccinated or you have to do uh, weekly testing and, and the employees have to continue to wear masks. So that, that, was, uh, um, that came out and you know, right now, you know, by January 4th, you'd have to have this process in place. So vaccination or vaccination and testing and masking. So that uh, um, the U.S. Court of Appeals, the Fifth Circuit, you know, they granted a stay on this OSHA um, uh, standard, and they did that just a couple of days ago. So this is temporarily on hold. And so, it, you know, as uh, companies in the irrigation industry, this can be uh, uh, pretty challenging. You know, if you just take the the vaccination statistics today in America, where maybe 60% of the population is vaccinated, and you apply that to, let's say, a company, even a company like ours, you got 60% vaccinated, 40% unvaccinated, and you uh, now mandate this vaccination, I think the, the government's thinking that the, there'll be a small impact, uh, if any, on the, uh, you know, the labor uh, situation. And I'm, I'm really worried that it might be bigger than they think. I'm worried that uh, for these companies where, let's say you have 40% unvaccinated, that if you're forcing them to get vaccinated or this rigorous testing situation, that you, we could lose um, you know, 10% of our employees that simply don't wanna get vaccinated or don't wanna go through this process, then they'd rather take unemployment. Um, we've learned about this great resignation that's going on, and we've lost 4 million people out of the workforce, and we need those people. The unemployment rate, you know, is such that we, I think we all probably in this industry have open positions, and we can't afford to lose any more workforce. So I'm hopeful that um, we don't uh, lose uh, em employees, but I'm worried that that impact could be higher than what the current administration is thinking this impact will be. So, you know, what do we need to do in irrigation? If you're over 100 employees, I mean, you should probably are tracking vaccination data and have a roster on this already. But if you don't, you really, you got to start doing that. And then as a company, we have to decide, are you going to mandate vaccination or are you going to allow for the, the testing? And then really, it looks like this is going to get resolved in the court systems for sure. So, um, but pretty, pretty big deal. And uh, January 4th is kind of a key date. And so, you know, we're all kind of watching this, but could have a big impact. The reason why I bring this up in this presentation is if the large companies for say all lost 10% of their workforce, we're all running pretty lean anyways. And this would, 
uh, have some some impact on our industry. So that's why I bring this up in this context. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty interesting. Also, uh, from the standpoint of uh, I'm a business owner, I have 101 employees. Nobody's looking at me. I'm going to stay under the radar. I'm not going to uh, I'm not going to report this. Um, what happens if you don't? What happens if it goes forward and you get caught? Yeah, the fines are e extreme, um, you know, and, and they can be 6000 I get the fine numbers wrong, up to $17,000 per occurrence. If you you willfully uh, didn't follow this, yeah, the, the penalties get very extreme. It could be hundreds of thousands of dollars if you're willfully not complying uh, with that. So we'll see. It's, it's pretty political. Richard, you know, we don't try to steer away from politics at work at Jane. Uh, try to have a politics-free zone, but this will be definitely decided in the courts. I'm just worried that it's going to impact the, uh, you know, the workforce at our company and, you know, in our industry. So, um, yeah, I guess, and, and, I, and I like your main point here, and I think that is, um, you don't know if it's going to go through or not, but you better prepare for it because you don't want to be surprised by it if it does. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the, one of the main topics of this is like, well, what do we think is going to happen in 2022? Will, will we grow? And so, you know, as you kind of look at the data, you know, we, we kind of say, well, what, what happened in 2021? So 2021 is turning out to be a pretty dang good year for many irrigation companies. You know, I, the activity or business level number of irrigation systems or irrigation products that we're selling, it might be 5%, maybe 10% above the prior year. But with the inflation that uh, we're seeing, and not all those prices are getting passed through, some are absorbing them and some are passing them through, a lot of companies are having growth this year in irrigation of 10 to 20%. You know, some more, some less, but 10 to 20%, I would say, is, a, is probably the growth rate of the industry in terms of overall dollars. Now, this varies quite a bit by region. And you know, did the, the, the drought impact that? I have a few bullet points and slides here I'm gonna show and share as I build a thesis for 2022 growth or not. Um, yeah, the drought definitely had some impact. Um, I'll show some slides on you know, commodity and specialty pricing. I think the dollar plays a big role in the ag business if we grow or not. And then we've talked a little bit on inflation and labor. So when you look at this drought monitor picture, when you look at that screen and then you take a look at this next slide that I have, this is net cash farm income by region. And so on the fruitful rim here, you can see the net cash farm income is down 23% along the fruitful rim and in that basin and range 15%. So right where our drought is, uh, severest is those agriculture and farmers are bringing in less farm income by a significant amount. Now in the heartland, the corn and soybean belt is up, up massive. The price of corn really jumped in the last year. So did soybeans. And so the corn and soybean farmers did really well, but the specialty crops, cotton and dairy did, did not have such a great year. So while the overall industry looks okay in aggregate, it's really a, a geographical and specialty crop kind of uh, story here where things didn't uh, go so great. And why is, you know, why is this important? Because, well, when farmers do well and they make money, that's when they reinvest in efficient irrigation. And so it's pretty critical that 
we look and see where where the business is doing well and not. This shows uh, slide shows the cash receipts over the last uh, four years, and you can see the difference on corn. And a lot of that's driven by price. Uh, some of that was uh, the the yields were a little little better. Soybeans, you know, also a lot of that's driven by price. But look what's happening on fruits and and nuts. You can see a steady decrease over the last five years. The same thing for vegetables, and cotton's pretty flat. So we sell a lot of drip and micro irrigation in the fruits and nuts, vegetables and melons, and that's showing a you know pretty pretty significant downturn. Some of that this year could be due to drought. We didn't have water on the west side of the Central Valley to maybe grow onions or garlic this year like we have in the past. So those are real direct uh, impacts on these uh, cash receipts for those selected crops. Uh, in aggregate, though, this slide shows the uh, gross farm income minus the production expenses, and then you can see the net farm income. So as a whole group, USA Agriculture, we did do better for net farm income. It's the first time uh, above $100 billion net farm income in, in many years. Uh, you have to go back to really 2014 was really in aggregate the best farm year we've had. So if you look at 2010 to 2014, our farm economy is actually doing pretty good then. So remember those dates, 2010 to uh, 2014. Um, I've been trained by my good economist friends in the area to really focus on, instead of selling yield, like uh, to focus on helping farmers reduce their production expenses. Production expenses for farmers in aggregate are going to be up 7% uh, this year. And, you know, where are those increases occurring? Well, we all know and see labor for sure. And the fuel has gone up quite a bit. We're all experiencing that today. Uh, but feed prices have also uh, gone up, maybe not by the same percentages as fuel. But all costs for growers other than uh, pesticides are expected to be higher this year than the prior year. So that, that's pretty significant. And so if you think about inflation, if it's transitory or not, I talked about the PVC and polyethylene from the irrigation standpoint. Um, you know, so what, what's likely to happen, you know, in the, in the next year? Uh, I think the bottom line here is we really, as an industry, need to help growers and end users focus on, you know, doing good jobs with reduced costs. How can we reduce their costs, I think should be the message of this slide, because likely in 2022, many of these are still going to go up. Labor for sure will go up. Fuel oil may go up. And, uh, you know, hopefully we can help them get some reductions. Um, this US dollar index is really, to me, in essence, can drive the uh, farm economy. If you remember those years that I talked about, that 2010 to 2014, when our US dollar index was at 80, around 80, or below 80, the farm economy in aggregate usually does pretty well. We sell more nuts. Uh, more uh, products uh, overseas, more grain, more soybeans, we're more competitive globally. When the dollar index is above 90 or at 95 or above, there's, there's pressure on us. You know, maybe um, Brazil gets more of the sales versus the, the US. And so, you know, right now our dollar index is at 95. So that's a little bit of a headwind for, for our farmers, either, you know, in the specialty crop side or the commodity side. 
when it's at 80 or below, I think ag in general does pretty good. And then when the growers do well, the irrigation companies do well. So, you know, 95 is a little bit, little bit higher. And uh, so definitely a headwind for growth in our irrigation business. But again, this is a regional story, uh, specialty in that fruitful rim versus the, the commodity corn and soybeans. You really, it's a, it's a local issue. On the inflation side, we also had significant increases in water uh, in the last year, if, if you got it. I mean, the drought in the West was really uh, uh, has been devastating and has the potential to be devastating. If we don't get good snowpack this year, it's gonna be difficult. This, I just wanted to show this chart um, and just show the surface water district rates in California, what the cost per acre foot is in certain territories and geographies in California. And if you look at these prices and you know water, these are pretty good prices. Uh, in general, these are pretty pretty low, uh, but they are some of the purple areas are getting into the costs of, you know, 100 to 200 dollars an acre foot, and if you need three acre feet, you know that's 600 dollars uh, per acre to just irrigate your crops. Um, so that's quite a bit. That can be if you're growing a commodity crop, that that's definitely a higher expense. If you're growing a, a nut or specialty crop, it might not be such a big impact, um, you know, but that is if you can get the water, if you can get the allocation, if you have access to it, and if you, you know, don't or can't pump, and then remember we have Sigma coming where the groundwater surface water has to be in balance. Now we're buying water on the open market and the open market might be $750 an acre foot or more. And if you're buying $1,000 an acre foot and you need to buy a foot, that's $1,000 an acre just for the water. There ain't many crops that are going to you know, be economically viable buying that spot rate uh, water. Um, you know, some other statistics about this water, if you look back just to 2020, you can see this index for buying open market spot water was $200 an acre foot. It's nearly $800 an acre foot now. And I would expect this to go up as this drought pers persists. And it's gonna um, really change what crops are economically viable uh, with these uh, water costs. It's really incredible to see the risks that the growers take, right? We've got the water risk now. Uh, you talked about the, uh, uh, the risk with um, uh, the supplies, and then, uh, and then you've always got the commodity pricing risk as well. Um, it's incredible with what these guys deal with, and uh, it's, it's very admirable that they, uh, they come through this. Yeah, not to mention the, the ultimate risk is the, the weather, right? You just have no idea what what that's going to do, and that can drive a lot of uh, agriculture, right? So um, this slide, I, I didn't want to leave the, the landscape, you know, out of this, and I'm not a landscape expert. I was really in agriculture most of my life, but I've learned a little bit on, over the years of what drives a landscape irrigation sales, and I think one of the best things to look at is housing starts, and this is new residential construction, and this is, uh, you know, annualized, seasonally adjusted housing starts that are really important. And you can see for the last, um, 
you know, 2016 to 2019 relatively flat. You can see the COVID impact, that supply chain shock on mm -hmm. housing starts. We see that shock in so many other areas from freight logistics to all kinds of production. That shock is what's causing a lot of this supply chain disruption. So the construction industry wasn't immune to that type of whipsaw and the, the shock. But probably the big highlight here is that housing starts are now more than one and a half million um, per year on a seasonally adjusted number rate. And our long-term average over the, the, you know, these five years was 1.2 million. So that's a, you know, a 20 to 25% increase in housing starts that are going. Now we need housing, the price of housing has gone up and you know, part of it's a supply demand issue. And, we're, we really have affordability issues in, in a housing, but um, the housing starts have gone up by 20, 25%. You can also see the permits are up pretty big too. It's interesting that the permits and the starts are up, but the completions are not. This may be a labor issue. This might be a timing, a seasonality, but for irrigation companies, this is probably good news that we can expect when you get housing start growth like this of 20% or more, you think back to 2005, 2006, 2007, those were great years for irrigation companies. I mean, we were going like gangbusters selling uh, irrigation companies to uh, the new home sites. So I think this is uh, um, definitely positive for the uh, landscape uh, market as well. So I've thrown a lot of slides and a lot of information and if you have to pick a number to say what the industry is going to do this year, like how much is the landscape market going to be up or down? And, and uh, we're on a recording here, so we'll be able to look back and see if we were accurate or not. But based on the, the kind of the data that we have and the unwinding of these COVID supply chain issues, I, I really think we should see volume increase in the landscape market between 5 and 10% in 2022. I do expect the revenue dollars for the industry to be up more than that, really due to the inflation area um, and then just prices getting uh, pushed pushed through the market more more wholly now, there were some companies that didn't think that these resin prices would would stick or stay i think they're here to stay for a lot of 2022 and, and companies are going to have to push those uh, prices through so i think the revenue in terms of dollars will be up 15 to 20 percent a lot of that's that price inflation on the ag side you know again i Think it's a regional uh, story. You're going to have certain areas that are up and other areas that are, you know, having trouble. In overall, in aggregate, I think it's pr pretty good year for irrigation, the corn and soybean, the, the, the in the Midwest. I think those companies are going to do good if you're in irrigation there. It may be challenging in the West due to a drought scenario, the supply chain, general costs. Um, but I think 5% up in terms of product volume sales in aggregate for the industry on the ag side. And I think, do think 15% revenue, mainly due to the inflation. And again, really, really regional. Yeah, I think these numbers make great sense to me. And it's, it's interesting too, from the standpoint of um, we're, we're getting more used to um, working within the environment we're working in, right? These challenges are becoming more the norm than an unusual challenge. Yeah, correct. I mean, we we got a great management team that's working through these issues and they're making them look easy. We are working harder. Our teams are doing a fabulous job and, and the whole industry is for how definite, uh, you know, challenging the, the situations are. 
Um, you know, some other topics that, you know, I, I wanted to just chat about, which, which I think will be important in 2022. We've heard a lot about climate change in, in the last year, and we're, we're seeing the effects. If you um, drive California and you just see the reservoirs, I'm like, I am really spooked by the levels of water in these reservoirs. It, it's something we've never seen. And I've been in California for over 20 years, and, and it's really shocking and scary to me. And so this climate change is, is real, and we're going to have to work on that as an industry. You know, a great place to work on these industry challenges like this are the Irrigation Innovation Consortium. I put the website there. Um, they can help on innovative research to help, you know, mitigate uh, climate change for the irrigation companies. Uh, the drought, we're still in it until we're not. Um, this carbon management, I think, is, is uh, interesting to our space, and we're going to have to know more about this and pay attention. Um, supply chains, I didn't mention the electronics problems on supply chains. We're having a heck of a time, and most are due to the semiconductors, electronic parts shortages, and the costs are going up on electronics. And we sell a significant amount of electronics gear into the irrigation business. And it's a real challenge, not only to get components to build that gear, uh, to get modems. We got, you did a great webinar, Richard, on the 3G sunsetting. Um, that is, you know, those are some significant obstacles there. I think we'll all think about just-in-time inventory differently, and we'll probably be thinking more of supply chain resiliency, and that'll we'll be working on those this year. Uh, employment and labor is probably the, one of the top issues facing all of our companies, including ours. We're going to have to do everything we can to support and take care of our employees from a wage and benefit standpoint, from a health and wellness uh, standpoint, too. Um, you know, this, uh, what people are dealing with, with the emotional distress and things, the mental health side of things. I think, you know, our society and our companies, you know, people are really struggling with mental health. And I think this is going to be important for us to, as companies, to try to help, help our employees as best we can. Uh, cybercrime, uh, Nathan DeSutter, who uh, helps us and consults with us on our IT, did a fabulous webinar a couple months ago on uh, cybersecurity, and he walked through what people do in terms, you know, to hack into your systems. And I think this is a huge threat. We've been working on this at Jane for many, many years now, but the agriculture community is, is a huge target because maybe they don't have current or updated systems, uh, but th this is a, a huge issue. It's been impacting our industry um, already. And if you know, one is impacted. We can see we've had suppliers of ours that have been impacted. That impacts us. So as a whole industry, we need to be aware of this cybersecurity threats and really work to take care of those. I think the technology is going to continue to advance. We've got this great irrigation technology, the satellite imagery coming into helping us with autonomous irrigation and agriculture. Um, we're going to further develop those tools. And then, uh, you know, big question is a lot of people are forecasting, you know, when do these asset bubbles uh, uh, pop? And then, you know, I, I don't know if I, I see that happening in 2022. I just think there's too much uh, liquidity out there. And I, I think 2022 can be a, a pretty, pretty good year uh, overall. But, you know, if these asset bubbles pop or there's some black swan event or the Evergrande China real estate thing, 
gets a contagion. You know, I think all bets are off on all of this if if some of those asset bubble black swan events type, you know, happen. I, I love that forecast, Eric, and uh, and I'm excited about it. One of the things I hear a lot about is uh, carbon offset credits. And um, it's a popular term these days. Uh, a lot of people use it. Uh, I'm not so sure we all understand it very well. Um, would you consider coming back and doing a webinar on carbon offset credits for us? Yeah, I will. I'm, I'm fascinated by that. I'd love to do that. And yeah, definitely work with you and we'll find maybe the right guests. There's a lot of work going in the, in the space. And uh, yeah, I'm fascinated by that. So let's, let's definitely do that, Richard. Yeah. Well, listen, Eric, I think you did a uh, tremendous job today. When I think about the information we all were able to gather from this and have recorded and can, can uh, go back and review in the next, uh, uh, next few years, right? Because it was 2022 and beyond. Uh, I think it was really generous of you to uh, share all this information. Um, it was quite valuable to me and I know all our other viewers uh, was valuable to them as well. So thanks so much for doing this. Uh, I really appreciate it. Um, I'm looking forward to uh, hearing more from you next year. It's uh, hard to believe we're, we're right here at year end. <laughs> yeah, thank you, Richard. Yeah, I'm uh, grateful for uh, you um, putting these on and uh, yeah, grateful for all of the uh, you know, our customers and stakeholders that uh, join us on these webinars uh, each, each week. You're giving us uh, 30 to uh, 40 minutes of your time multiple times during the week throughout the year. And uh, yeah, to all my friends that are there watching this, uh, I hope you have a, a nice Thanksgiving and a, a great holiday. Merry Christmas and a happy new year. Yeah, very nice message. Thank you, Eric. And just wanna remind everybody that you, if you go to the jamesusa.com website, forward slash trainings. You can see all our trainings there. Many of them are uh, available for CEU credits with the Irrigation Association. Our videos are free to watch. So you can watch them free and get a credit. We even put uh, a link onto how to actually apply for the CEU credits and get them from the Irrigation Association on the website. So end of the year, time to, time to use it. So uh, uh, thanks again, everybody for joining us today. We'll be back on Friday with uh, Corey Broad, and he's gonna be talking about uh, winterization and winter maintenance for irrigation systems. Uh, it's truly a, another great presentation from Corey. So thanks everybody. Thanks again, Eric, and uh, we'll talk to you all soon.